0: night. So it's good to see everyone. It's good to see the people next to you and the people behind you. And I'm just glad that we're all in church. I love Sunday nights. I love Sunday nights. I love Sunday mornings as well. You know, I just want to start uh, by actually honoring our senior pastors. And I think, you know, we can never overdo this, but uh, just senior pastors and leaders who have led us through not only the last two years, but I was at Morayfield this morning, our first Vision Sunday. And just the fact that they, the vision that they've received, they've, they've, they've gone to God and they're saying, I need something. We need something. They're not just kind of making something up that sounds good. They're getting something from God and bringing it to us as a church that we can grab a hold of, not just on a Sunday, but throughout our weeks. We have, we have pastors who aren't, you know, sitting back. They're on the front foot for you. They're seeking this vision for you individually in your lives. And so I want to honor them. We have amazing senior pastors. Can we give them a big hand? They are incredible. I love Emerge Church. It's a great church. All right, we're going to jump straight into the Word tonight. We're going to read Matthew 5, verse 13 to 16. And uh, I'm going to read it in the New King James Version. I don't usually do that, but I read the other versions, and this one had the most punch. And so uh, I'm going to read New King James. uh, Matthew 5, verse 13 to 16. And it says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor So church, I read this verse, I read this passage. and It says that you are the salt of the earth. And then later in verse 14, it says, you are the light of the earth. And so Jesus right here is saying to these people as he's speaking, and he's saying to us that we are the salt and we are the light. Everyone say, we are the salt and say, we are the light. In other words, as you've already maybe seen, we are the flavor and we are the fire. We are the flavor and the fire. So the title of my message tonight is The Flavor and the Fire. Does anyone like a bit of flavor and fire? Sounds like a nice cooker. My, my mouth's watering already. I can taste it already. The flavor and the fire. Come on, we're going to pray right now before we speak. Lord, I just pray that everything I bring tonight, Lord, would just speak life into the lives of these these people here, Father. Lord, I pray this wouldn't be anything of me, Lord, but it's all you, God. And as I speak just on being the, the salt and the light, Father, I pray that you would just start to fan the flames in our lives, Father. Lord, let us leave more passionate than we came in, Father. Let us leave this place on fire for you, God, just hungry for you and wanting you to move in our lives in a new way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The flavor and the fire, the flavor and the fire. So uh, I don't know if not everyone knows this, I'm walking around on stage pretty okay right now, but two weeks ago on a Tuesday night, while I was playing basketball with some guys from church, we were in a a bit of a social league there, I was playing basketball and the ball went up into the air. It was like slow motion, it was like a movie. And I jumped and I tapped it and it went into the air again and I got the competitive spirit kicked in. I was like, I gotta get it. I jump up again. I go to get the ball, and as I come down, I land on one of the opposing team's feet, and my knee goes crunch, and my net left kneecap dislocates for a second, and then it goes straight back in, and I drop to the floor, and I was in a lot of pain. But I dislocated my knee two weeks ago. Uh, it was pretty minor. Uh, as you can see, I'm kind of walking around it now. I've been to the physio. they have got exercises. First, you've got to put your leg in, and then you tense the muscle, and you do different things. Uh, but... I'm, I'm on the road to recovery. You know, the last time that I dislocated my knee was actually 10 years ago, I reckon. I was, it was either 2011 or 2012. It was a long term. I thought I'd left it in the past. I thought it wasn't going to happen again, and then it happened. But this one's minor, so it's okay. But 10 years ago, I was in school. We we're doing a little like drill where you run to this line, and then you plant your foot, and then you run back this way, and you plant your foot. And then I planted my foot, and the knee once again crunch out in recovery, wheelchaired out of there. But then it actually had happened one time before that, the first time that I dislocated my knee, can you imagine? So now it's kind of like, it's painful, but at least I know what happened. I know like that it was a dislocation, I know kind of the process, I'm familiar with it. The first time I was this poor kid, I reckon I was probably like 13 or 14, uh, and I was not like financially poor Pastor Joe, it's okay. I was 13 or 14 and we're at school. Some of you know this story. We are playing Tiggy uh, with my brother and a bunch of his mates and uh, I was chasing my brother. There's a fence there. He jumped it in athletic style. It was amazing. I jump it also trying to be athletic but then when I land, once again, third time, crunch and my, my left knee went out. This time it wasn't as nice. Like I went out and stayed out for a while and I was in shock because I'm going to get graphic with the right. If you don't like this, like block your ears. But so like I said, these like, when I did it two weeks ago, I knew what had happened. As soon as it happened, I knew what had happened. That time I was in a lot of pain. I didn't know what had happened, but I felt my knee and where like your knee is, there was a dent there. And on, then I felt the side of my knee and there was my kneecap. Whoa, that doesn't belong there. But you know what? It's given me sermon illustration after sermon illustration, so I'll take it. Not again though, Lord, three is enough, three is enough. But that time, the first time it had happened I was in a lot of pain, but I was it. Like, I was the one trying to tag my brother, Caleb. He's here. Uh, I'll try not to make you sound too bad. <laughs> I've told this story before. I was the one trying to tag him. So when I was on the ground in pain, ah, like I'm in so much pain. And then he's like, he didn't believe me. He's like, he's like, nah, you're faking it. You're faking it. And so he wouldn't come over. And I'm like in so much pain. He thought, I'm not that clever. I'm not that conniving. That's like a middle child kind of thing to do. I was the youngest child. Um, but eventually he, he had compassion Uh, look, the Lord's kindness led him to repentance and he came over and he helped me and he got me up and he sat me down on a bench and he's like, oh, there, there. And then he ran off and he kept playing Tiggy. And so the thing is though, I understand. At the time, I didn't understand, but I understand at that time we were playing Tiggy. We're like, in our teen years there's all these other boys that are running around there was a sense of urgency that he had he needed to get back out there if he stayed with me he looked after me someone's going to come find him like you don't want to get tagged that's there's there was a bit of urgency there when you were a teenage boy like at that moment that is what mattered tiggy is what mattered and so you might be wondering what are you talking about this for, Jason? And I really feel tonight as we talk about the flavor and the fire of God, that God is really calling us back to a time of urgency. There needs to be more urgency in our life. Just like in Tiggy, where even though I had dislocated my knee in this pain that I'd never felt before, my brother left me alone to go on play because there was one thing that mattered. We need to come back to a place where one thing matters, that nothing else matters. We need to have a sense of urgency where we seek God and He is the only thing that Matters. God is the only thing that matters. So first we're gonna look, we're gonna start at the start. We're gonna look at flavor. We're gonna look at the salt. And so Matthew 5.13, let's read it again because it's so good. Matthew, Matthew 5.13, Jesus is speaking. And it says, you are the salt of the earth But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing. You know, that's part of the reason why I chose the New King James Version, because it says good for nothing, and that hits hard. Every other one's like say something like it, but good for nothing is harsh. But to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So Jesus is saying that we're the salt of the earth. What does that mean? How are we the salt of the earth? Why is he saying that? If we look at salt, what is salt? You know, salt is used as a seasoning, for food back then, it's like, you know, it's, it's been used for seasoning for, for a long, long time. It was used for seasoning. It was used for sacrifices as well. You know, salt was actually also a symbol of lasting harmony between people because when you put salt on like a meat or a food, it actually preserves the food and it prevents the decay and the rotting. And so salt is actually uh, a symbol of lasting harmony. Some cultures still continue the act of like taking salt together to symbolize that lasting harmony. Uh, and in the Bible as well, if there's an everlasting um, covenant, an unbreakable covenant, it's actually called a covenant of salt. And so salt has all these different meanings. And so when Jesus says to us that we are the salt of the earth, what does that mean to me? What does that mean to you in 2022 that you are the salt of the earth? So I believe this is how that we want to look at it, that salt, when used as a seasoning, it adds flavor to what is already there. It enhances the flavor that is already there. And I looked at the science of it. Do you know that salt actually works? i would heard before that you add salt and it just like multiplies the flavor. And I think that's still true. Like it does still multiply the flavor, but it actually sweetens food by taking away the bitterness. I didn't know that. And so like if you put food, if you put salt on anything, any kind of bitterness, not even like an extreme out there bitterness, but like even if it's a little bit in there, then it takes it away. And so it makes it taste sweeter. And so, as we are the salt of the earth that reduces the bitterness and enhances the sweetness, our salt, our flavor that we are called to be to the earth is the gospel. Our soul is the good news. We have the good news that we can spread. We have the good news that can take away the bitterness of our broken lives and emphasize and enhance the sweetness of our loving Father. Let me say that again. We have the gospel. We have the good news. If you are here tonight, even if you are not a Christian, this is your first time, the good news that God loves us so much that He sent His Son to die for us, that we can live forever with Him, and He could take all our sin and all our shame. That is the good news, and we have that good news that we can take, that can can take away the bitterness of our broken lives and emphasize and enhance the sweetness of our loving Father. And so we're called to be the salt of the earth. We're called to to bring that flavor, bring the gospel into the earth. The power of the salt, the power of salt as a seasoning, is that you don't need a lot. You actually don't want a lot. Too much is actually going to be, is actually going to ruin it. A little bit of salt is actually enough. And You know, when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, Pastor Joe was speaking about these these guys that he had, that they lived life together. They did ministry together. Jesus talked with them closely, lived with them closely, taught them how to live. You know, he was then sending them out into all the world. They were in this small, they were kind of traveling within an area, but then then the commission, the great commission, was to go out into all the earth, go into all the world. And so there wasn't that many of them to go out, like in the whole span of like the whole earth there wasn't that many but the good news is for you and for me the good news for the disciples is that we don't need a lot with salt just a little bit has enough flavor has enough power the gospel we don't need anything more than the gospel we don't need the gospel and this and that and the other we don't need any big show or anything like that the gospel is enough the gospel is enough and we've been called to spread the good news So this is what I'm talking about, that I feel like God's calling us back to an urgency where only one thing matters, where only one thing matters, that's Him and that's sharing the good news, that's sharing the gospel, loving Him and telling others that they are loved by Him as well. You know, in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14 to 16, it says it in another way. It says, but thank God He has made us captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. So this is important here. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance to people, but it's perceived. It's not always perceived the same way. In verse 16, it says, To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. That is pretty intense. To those who are perishing, to those that, that don't want to hear it, the ones who who aren't living in that way, who aren't seeking God, the, the scent is like uh, a dreadful smell of death and doom. You know, when I read that verse, I think of some current events, and I'm not taking any political side or anything, but it makes sense. This is tr- as true as it was there, that the the the, go- the gospel and the love of God and the Word of God, which is a sweet fragrance to us, To others is seen as a smell of death and doom. I see that happening in 2022 and and it's said right here in the word of God, but then it continues on and this is the better part. But to those who are being saved, we are a life giving perfume and who is adequate for such a task as this? Not everyone will see the gospel the same way that we do, the same way that I do, the same way that you do. It is the good news. It is the best news. It is our hope. It is all we need, but not everyone's going to see it that way. But I want to encourage you tonight. That as I call you to, a, to an urgency to, to share the gospel, to tell people, I want to tell you that even as you spread the gospel, even if you tell a hundred people, even if you talk to a hundred people and it's death and doom and horrible to them and they think you're the worst person ever, if you share it to one person, who it, to them it's a life giving perfume, that is worth it. If you can change, if you can share it with someone and their eternity can be changed because of it, that is worth it. Not everyone we're going to speak to is going to just welcome us with open arms. But if we can be the salt to the earth and if some people can take it in, if an eternity can be changed, that is worth it. And so as it continues on in the verse, it actually speaks with those pretty heavy words that If salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. So I read that, and I'm like, I don't want to lose my flavor. That's like the first thing I think. I was like, I don't want to be good for nothing. I definitely don't want God to think of me that way. So how do we keep our flavor? How do we not lose our flavor? Because in this moment, Jesus goes as far to say that if we don't have flavor, we are good for nothing. That's harsh. So I... How do we not lose our flavor? You know, salt by itself, just if you have salt in a contained kind of area, salt can't lose its flavor. Salt can't lose its saltiness. By itself, salt will always be salty. The way that salt loses its flavor, how Jesus is talking about it, is when other compounds actually start getting added to it. And so if, you know, salt is out in a natural place and other compounds start getting mixed in with it, that's when salt starts to lose its potency and starts to lose its flavor. And it's the same thing with us, by ourselves. If we were just kept in a bubble with our Bible and the gospel and God, it was a nice, pretty life, then it would be fine. But that's not how we live life. We have free will to go and do what we want. We have free will to go and watch whatever movies and Netflix and read whatever we want and put our, whatever we want into our bodies uh, and into our eyes and into our ears, as Pastor Joe was saying. We do that, and, and we do it. We listen to things, we watch things, I'm not saying that everything is bad, but it's when those things start to come and pollute the, the the God in our life, the gospel in our life, the good news in our life, that's when we start to lose our flavour. And I don't want to lose my flavor. As I'm reading this, as I'm preaching this, I'm challenged by this. What is in my life? What do I need to cut out? What do I need to remove to to stop me from losing my flavor? I don't even want to lose this much of my flavor. I want to be at the full potency that God wants me to be. So what is it in your lives? What are you taking in? What are you doing in your weeks? What are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you even just thinking about? What are your thoughts that you need to take a hold of and say no? this isn't good. This is this is taking away from my flavor. This is taking away from what God wants to do in my life. And at the end of this service, we're going to have a, a ministry time. And I really believe that God's going to move in a powerful way, um, just not because of what I say, but I really think that that like what I'm speaking about, that I think there's an urgency, there's a hunger as well that I think God wants to see from us. And whenever there's a hunger, God responds to that. And so part of that, I'm going to give an opportunity for people who, who feel like they just need a take a big step. They feel like there's, there's, they've got no flavor right now. And they just wanna come and just kneel and say, God, God, I just need your help. I need your help. Because some people are gonna be a bit overwhelmed by that thought. They're like, I've got more other stuff than salt in my life. And so as we come to that, we're gonna have an opportunity. Romans 12 kind of confirms this and the Bible says it this way. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So as we deny those things that are going to take away from the flavor of our lives, as we lean into our relationship with God, then God will transform us. God can transform us into a new person and change the way we think. He can show us the will that He has for our lives as we lean into our relationship, as we lean away from the things of the world and into Him. And I want to encourage you with this, this thought: that if you want to see things that other people don't see in your life, you have to be willing to do things that other people aren't willing to do. Other people, your co-workers who aren't Christian or going to church, they're not—they have no reason to cut out those things out of their life. They're going to keep doing those things, and that's okay for them. They're not worried about these things. But you, we're called to higher standard. We need to to live at that. That higher standard that God wants for us. If you wanna see great things, if you wanna see miracles, if you wanna see your family saved, if you have something that you're asking for God, I, I challenge you and I encourage you tonight, we need to be able to start doing things that other people aren't willing to do to see the things that, God, that others aren't gonna see. All right, so that's the flavor. Now let's move to the fire. Everyone say fire. fire. I like the fire. I, I like the flavor, but I love the fire. <laughs> right now, like, Everything that I'm kind of doing, youth leaders would know this, but everything that I'm kind of like seeing in God for this year is just all about the fire of God, about fueling the fire in our lives and what happens when we we fuel the fire and fan that flame in our lives and I'm really excited to talk about the fire. And so let's look at Matthew 5 and jump into verse 14 where God speaks, Jesus speaks here and he says, "'You are the light of the world. "'A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, "'nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, "'but on a lampstand.'" And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's the great thing. That as we talk about the fire, as we talk about the light, all of this happened, all the good works, everything that comes out of this, what I say about the fire, glorifies our God in heaven. And that's what we want. We wanna give all glory to God. And so fire, light, fire. These things there's just something in us that attracts us to fire. Fire attracts attention. You know, I was at a young adult's uh, event at the end of last year, and um, we're at uh, someone's house, and we had a nice event, and then there was a big bonfire at the end, and this thing was massive. This was like a big bonfire. Like, we were sat in a massive circle, like pretty far away from it. People tried to you know, toast some marshmallows later, but they couldn't get close enough. Some of them braved it and lost some like eyebrows and everything like that. But this fire though, I'm sitting there and I'm having a good chat with my mate Hendrico and I'm sitting there just, you know, having a good time. And like, I just find myself just staring at the fire and I'm just like looking at it. And when you look at like, it's not like, it's not like any solid thing. It, it's, it's amazing. I'm sure there's science behind it, but I don't really care about the science. It's just fun to look at. And like even to the point where you're looking at it and your eyes kind of start to burn and it kind of like hurts your eyes, but you just can't look away and you're just like fixated on this fire because there's just something that like it make, it attracts us to fire. You know, uh, as many of you, you would know, there's a famous photo and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's called The Burning Monk. There's a fire, a photo. You may have seen it before. I'm not going to show it because it might be a little bit too intense, but it's this photo of this this, this monk who is sitting down and he's literally on fire. He's, it's from I believe it's uh, from 1963, from what I could find, uh, and it's in Vietnam. And the, the this monk is coming and doing this. I was reading a story about it and they had told people, they told like reporters and everything that they were going to do something big to protest how they'd been persecuted. And they were like we we're going to do something big. There's going to be something big. And so they told all these reporters, but they were all just kind of like, yeah, they were disinterested in it. And this one reporter, listened. this one reporter came along and what he tells this story how the they would all gather, they would all gathered and this car showed up. And these two young monks got out, and then an older one, and they walked down, and he sat down. And now I kind of feel like I don't want to say the details because it's a bit grisly. Uh, but basically, they do this protest, and he doesn't talk, he doesn't yell, he doesn't scream. And he, he ends up obviously passing away in that moment as a protest, they were protesting this, and their act of protest was he w- was willing to give up his life. But do you know what? The, uh, the president at the time, JF, John F. Kennedy, I believe at the time, but like one of the presidents, he said this, though, he said that it was one of the greatest uh, you know, uh, acts of protest. There was one of the most emotional kind of things that had come around the, the world at the time. It got spread around everywhere. That one photo, there was one reporter there, and you know what? I think he was still gonna do it even if there was no reporter there, but there was something about that act that he was willing to give up his life, but also by the fire. There was something so extravagant and extraordinary by it that that photo just like, if you see it, I'm not saying go look it up because it can be pretty horrible, but it grabbed the world's attention. Fire just uh, grabs our attention. Now, I'm not gonna ask you to set yourself on fire tonight in the altar call, but we are gonna go after the fire of God. And so... Fire attracts the attention of the world. Fire attracts the attention of God. Fire just attracts attention. We need to live our lives on fire for God because it gives Him glory. And so the fire of God, how do we we live on fire? How do we have this fire? You know, fire requires three things. Fire requires oxygen, it requires heat, and it requires fuel. Those are three things that without one of those things, there can't be fire. If you take those things away, then you can't start a fire. And so without it, we can't live our fire on fire for God. And so if we want to be filled with the fire of God, if we want to live on fire for God, we need those three things. And so as we look at oxygen, what is the oxygen that we need to live on fire for God? The oxygen that we need to live on fire for God is what is called the wind, the Holy Spirit, the oxygen that we need, the breath of God is the Holy Spirit. God gives us the Holy Spirit. We need to live our lives guided by the Holy Spirit, close to the Holy Spirit, in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that you know when he leaves, he wasn't just leaving us alone. He gave us the Holy Spirit. We need the fire. We need the Holy Spirit if we wanna live on fire for God. So that's the first thing, the Holy Spirit. The second thing that we need is heat. To start a fire, you need heat. Once a fire is going, it can kind of have its own heat, but you need heat to start a fire. And I believe the, the heat that we need to start a fire in our lives is power. Let me encourage you, once again, God gives us the Holy Spirit, and God gives us power. In Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we've got oxygen. We've got heat. And the third thing we need is fuel. And this is where we come in. God brings the the oxygen. He brings the Holy Spirit. God brings the heat. He brings the power. Now we need to bring the fuel. And the fuel that we need to bring is hunger. We need to bring the hunger. It is on us. And I really do feel so truly and honestly in my heart and in my spirit that this is a year that emerged church and Christians need to find a deeper hunger for the things of God we need to find a hunger for the word for the Word of God a hunger in worship a hunger to see people saved we can't just sit back anymore because we've asked someone to church once or twice we need to be so hungry God is calling us to a place of hunger you know I first found this, this thing, this hunger in, in the holiday time, you know, over the holidays after Christmas and in that kind of gap, um, you have a bit of time there. And I was thinking about the year and I was thinking about youth and I was thinking about, you know, our teams in church. And I was like, God, what do you want? And I just found myself in this place where, you know, I've had a relationship with God for long enough that I've, like, kind of gone through some ins and outs. We can kind of find ourselves in some cycles, and, you know, sometimes you see the same things again. And then even now, like, even pastoring kind of brings this element of um, you see the same things. Like, a year is almost the same every year in some ways. And so I was finding this, this element of kind of, like, repetitiveness almost. And I really just, like, had this, this, this desire. I was just like, God, I just want, like, I just want, I just want more of you. And I didn't know where to start. I, I didn't know what to do. I, was, I didn't know what I was asking for. I didn't know where it was going. But there was just this real sense inside of me that I was like, God, I just want more of you. And you know what happened out of that? Out of that just little prayer. And I like—I I was like, is there a certain Bible verse to read? Is there like this great worship song to put on? But I was just actually driving in my car. And I was like, God, I, like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. But I just want to find a deeper level of you. And you know what? It was that hunger in that moment and throughout what's happened over the the past month and while, it started with that hunger. And what God's been doing in me that he started to fan the flame in my life. He started to fuel the fire in my life. And I've started to see deeper levels of God, see God in a new way, start to see a new passion and a hunger for, for, for ministry, for my relationship with God. But it started with that little simple hunger. It wasn't a ritual it wasn't any particular act. It was just that desire. And you know what? Anyone can have that desire. You don't need to do anything. You just need that true desire. And God feels it. You know, uh, the way I'll relate it back to you, what I want people to get to tonight is what, how old was I? Grade like eight probably. I was probably in grade seven or eight. And when I was at a youth camp, and youth camps are, man, that's like the peak of hunger. Like if you wanna see hunger, you go to a youth camp. Because... Like, I was almost, like, untheologically hungry. Like, it was almost, it wasn't, like, biblically correct. There was this worship song that they played. It was, like, the one, you know, like, there's always one song, and they just play it over and over again. And it said something about, like, I want to see your face or something like that. And so as, like, a young, like, I don't know how old I was, 13-year-old or something, I was closing my eyes, I was clenching my fists, and I was singing this song, and I was like, God, let me see your face. Like, I want to see his physical face. And I'm like... We're in this like shed kind of thing. And I was like, when I open my eyes, I'll look up and on that wall, I'll see your face. And I'm like there and I'm like, and he wasn't there. And, I'm like, and I was like, okay, I'll sing the song really, really hard. And I sung the song and I looked up and he wasn't there. Little I know, like if I read my Bible more, I probably don't wanna see God's face. Like who knows what happen. But like unreasonable hunger where you're just so desperate for God to do something. You just want God to do something in your life. Even if it's not what you want right now. Even if it's like, this, if you're like, God, this is what we want you to do. Hunger will actually say, God, this is what I want, but I don't care. Just do something in my life. Come on, tonight, let's get hungry for the things of God, amen? Come on, let's get hungry. If you're gonna be hungry, let's give a a hunger kind of praise. Come on. God brings the Holy Spirit. He brings the power, but we need to bring the hunger. Can the band join me up on stage? You know, so many miracles that Jesus did was in response to hunger, people brought their hunger, and Jesus responded to that, and they received their miracle because of it. you know blind Bartimaeus he was hungry you know he was he, need, he wanted that healing, he was willing to make a fool of himself, people were telling him to be quiet, and he 's like, "No, I want my healing and he went after Jesus and he received his healing. the woman with the issue of blood she was unclean if she touched anyone, you know that was a terrible thing. who knows what they would have done to her if someone if she touched someone they I don't know what they would have done, but she wanted her healing so badly. She was so hungry that she's just like, I just need to touch the hem of his robe. And she got her healing. Zacchaeus even, a a man who wasn't seen as holy or righteous at all. People hated him, but he was hungry. He climbed the tree and he wanted to see Jesus and Jesus welcomed him in. He was hungry and Jesus responded to that hungry. They were all hungry and Jesus responded, to all of them. Do you know, when firefighters want to stop a bushfire, what they actually do some of the time is they go ahead of the fire and they, you know, they burn what's ahead of it so that the fuel, there's no fuel for it to burn. So when the fire ends up hitting it, there's no like living things for it to be able to kind of catch on fire. So they can actually kill the fire by going ahead and taking out the fuel. And I want to Put this almost as a warning out there, as I'm encouraging, I'm passionately speaking about hungering after God. The enemy will try to steal your hunger. Do you know why? Because he is desperate to stop us in any way. Because he can't steal the Holy Spirit from us. He can't steal the power from us, but he can take your hunger. That's the one thing that he can take from our fire. And like I said before, if you take one thing away from that fire, the fire can't start. There's no fire without the hunger. God will still be there. His Holy Spirit will still be there. The power will still be there. But if the hunger's not there, there won't be a fire. So the enemy will try anything he can to steal your hunger. You know, great revivals, Christian revivals have happened because of such a deep hunger, like an amazing hunger. We read this book about, I read this book about revivals And this guy seems crazy. Like I literally still after reading it, think he was a little bit crazy, but he saw revival though. And I feel like I wanna live the kind of life where maybe someone looks at my life and is like, he's a little bit crazy, but he saw revival. But God moved in his life. And I think you should want that same thing. I don't care if people think I'm a little bit crazy. I don't care what the world thinks. I'm not gonna conform to this world. I wanna be hungry after God and see fire in my life. Great revivals started with hunger, but they also ended with hunger as well. When the hunger stopped, the revival stopped. They all ended. We're not still seeing like massive revivals right now that were happening back then because they stopped. We need that hunger, and not just a, a hunger of like on the inside. Not just like a like that kind of like subdued hunger. I really really believe we need to have a passionate outward, bold, courageous hunger for God. I believe it's time for us to dive deeper into our hunger and find a passion for God again. Once again, like a young person at a youth camp who's willing to do anything, to look foolish for God. It's time to find our passion again. God never called us to be subdued. He never told us to kind of just, yes, this is my Christian life, I'll do this much. He actually, that sounds more like a lukewarm life to me than a hot or a cold life. He doesn't want us to live a lukewarm life. He wants us to be hot for God, on fire, passionate. You know who I look to in the Bible, who I wanna be like in my fire for God, in my hunger for God, in my passion? I wanna be like David. I wanna be like David when the Ark of the Covenant came back the presence of the Lord was back. The presence of, the, of God was there and he was willing to make himself look like a fool. He was willing to get undignified because God was there. Tonight, I wanna ask you, in your worship, in your workplace, in your priorities of what you're doing tomorrow morning when you wake up, are you willing to get so passionate and so hungry that you don't conform to the world, that you're willing to look like a, a little bit of a fool I'm not telling you to go out and actually be fools, but let's not be held back by those kind of thoughts that come into our head. The enemy puts those thoughts into our head. The enemy tries to hold us back. Don't be held back.